Welcome. Thanks for joining us on our new podcast, Highlight Life. Highlight Life is a podcast exploring the intersection of cannabis and wellness. We're two best friends from Brooklyn on a quest for a better, less stressed life. Taking an honest, sometimes irreverent look at weed, CBD, and wellness. I'm Kirsten. When I was a little girl, I wanted to be three things when I grew up. An astronaut, an actor, and a marine biologist, which got canned as soon as I realized that didn't equal swimming with dolphins. So obviously, I ended up working in fashion. But the point is, I wanted to explore as far in and out as humanly possible. Hi, I'm Sarah. I'm a music-obsessed vegan who loves to work hard, play hard. I was an overweight teen in Virginia listening to metal and hardcore all day and just feeling shitty. Wanting to feel better led me to becoming vegetarian. I first tried cannabis with a Rasta roommate I lived with in the East Village. And that was the beginning of my quest to learn more about and use natural plants and healing practices. All right. So today we are we're talking to Mitch Kulik. We got it. Okay, I got it. Hi, I've Mitch. Had... How are you Hi, guys? Mitch. Doing? Mitch is with the Focus Growth Advisors, a U.S.-based advisory firm which invests in and provides advisory services to companies in legal cannabis. Correct? Sounds very boring when you say it that way. I, no, well, I'm just trying to get the <laughs> well, words out. Yeah. We're, we're setting the foundation. Yes. Yeah, you're, you're also the co-founder and partner at Feuerstein. 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 Damn it. Damn it. Okay. Let me try that one more time. Feuerstein. Yeah, you got it. And Kulik. Yes. Uh, and you're acting as the head of cannabis securities and corporate departments. Yes, nice. I'm, a good, I, I'm a good actor. In this did way. I leave yes. anything out? Um, you did not leave anything out. Okay, good. Nice. Yeah. Good one. So we're getting really official today. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna learn something, which yeah. I'm really excited about. And I guess we have to start at the beginning. Okay. What got you into weed? Yeah. How, how does yeah. one become <laughs> a lawyer of cannabis? Yeah, that is a good. That's a good question. Um, the uh, I, I started off as a lawyer at a big firm, um, and went from the big firm to work at the Securities and Exchange Commission. So I had a governmental regulatory function, and then went to work for a hedge fund in New York City uh, called Iroquois Capital for about a decade. Um, and then in 2013, I was introduced to an opportunity. A friend called and said that he had just won one of the four grow licenses in Connecticut. And he knew that I was already looking around for another um, job, something different uh, than where I was at, and said, uh, you should come take a look. So I took a ride up, and I was really blown away by what I saw. You know, um, it was, I like to call it my Ray Kroc moment, which is very presumptuous, because, you know, Mm -hmm. only I could say that, like, 30 years from now if there's success involved with what I'm doing, but um, it was just an eye-opening moment right. is what I mean by that. You know, I think, you know, Ray Kroc was, my understanding was selling, uh, you know, shake-making machines. Yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. it was like, wow, these guys are using lots of these things. What's going on here? And yeah. when I went to this um, city in Connecticut and saw a 65,000-square-foot warehouse, retina scan, uh, like a retina scan, security oh. cameras, construction crew of 50, Investors were walking around because they were next going to uh, this company called Theraplant. They were next going to Minnesota. So they had a bunch of people in from Minnesota to sort of see like, hey, this is what we can do. And I just sort of witnessed this day and I was like, 
I'm in. Yeah, this is yeah. this yeah, is game changing. This is you not know, the old right. you know guy with the closet with hydroponics. It's a, which We've is, come a long way. Which is exactly what I was expecting to see. Right. You know, or something like that. And, and what kind of work were you doing? You were just in more of a traditional kind of like. I was a general counsel of oh, a hedge fund at okay. the time, uh, and also their chief compliance officer. Uh, <laughs> okay, nice. So I had um, uh, my risk level of that job after like so the financial meltdowns were happened yes. dodd frank was enacted i became chief compliance officer my re- my risk in that job went up significantly as a result of that position so i tried to go to a place where it would be less risky right. so i went into the cannabis industry <laughs> good choice uh, yeah i figured i'd go over somewhere where it's federally yeah. illegal no federal regulations well you no. know where you stand anyway. yeah exactly <laughs> Exactly. Um, so just to um, put a fine point on that, so I uh, sat with the CEO of the company, Theraplant, um, and uh, Ethan Ruby, um, and he sort of said, look, we're super excited. We won this grow license. If we didn't win, we would have gone into the lab business because we foresee that labs are the necessary bottleneck for the industry. You have to test product. Every state that's passing right. laws now is requiring mandating testing. If you can go out west and meet the companies that are doing that, and bring a franchise back to Connecticut, we'll give you all of our business, and I think I can deliver in the other growers because I'm the head of the grower association. So I said, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. We and my buddy, we started to fly, went out to Seattle, went to Oakland, L.A., and Denver, the places where labs yeah. existed, and, and met a bunch of labs. And still, I was still working at Iroquois, went back to, to work, and then the Steep Hill guys would call and say, you liked us, we like you, can you help us with this contract? Can you look at this thing? And I said to the Iroquois people I worked with, I need one day a week to explore this. And they mm-hmm. were very generous to allow me to do it. And That's I think, amazing. yeah, amazing. Mm-hmm. But also I think they saw there was a future in cannabis too. So they thought, hey, there's a guy on our team yeah. who can really start to yeah, test learn. it for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Pretty, let's throw yeah. him to the wolves and see if he survives and it's and a good business we'll yeah. Right, exactly. Um, and then, you know, an interesting thing happened, which was, so this is like 2013. Um, you know, I started to, like, every moment that I was spending not working on cannabis, I felt like I was falling behind. Right? It's moving yeah, fast. It's moving. it's moving fast. I was going to ask you, what year was that? Because it's just so right. fast happening. This was 2013 going yeah. to 14. This is before any adult use sales had taken place in, in Washington mm-hmm. or Colorado. So that was okay. just happening. And there were still, like, raids going on in California. Like, that was... yeah what was happening out yeah. there. So it was a, it was definitely, I don't want to make myself sound to be an OG because I'm not, but yeah. I'm definitely, you know, seven years in this industry is, it feels like a lifetime. Yes. Yeah. Uh, in the legal, in the legal yeah, side of it, it is. Right. Mm-hmm. On I was the legal just, side, yeah. So I started meeting this company, started working with Steep Hill Labs mm-hmm. in Oakland, and, uh, you know, by the end of that year, it was just, it was obvious. It's what I wanted yeah. to do. I wanted to spend uh, my time. I'm a fan of the plant. I'm a fan of the people who are fans of the plant and I'm a believer in the movement and believer in, you know, I've always been a believer that it's, uh, it's, it just should not be illegal. It right. should be regulated, yeah. you know? So going into like testing kind of made a lot of sense. I have three kids so I could sort of say to them, you know, I'm entering the, the area of the industry where trying to ensure a safe cannabis supply. Right. right. And I always would say to people like, even if you're against the legality of it, which if you are, I'm probably not talking to you, um, <laughs> yeah. but if you are, you probably don't want people to get sick from it and to be in, you know, um, inhaling and imbibing things that are, 
you know, that are not heavy tested. Heavy metals. Right, exactly. Weird stuff. So it felt like a great entry point. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, understanding what you're taking, yeah. what's yeah. in it and stuff. So it really was a great entry point and, uh, and a great platform um, to, to sort of meet people in the industry and, you know, and, uh, and really dive in. Do you... Do you have a crystal ball? I mean, what are your thoughts with that knowledge that you have about just kind of legalization overall? Like, when are things going to really change on a deep level where it's not going to be stigmatized and you can actually? I mean, are we really far away? Like, when do you feel like when's it going to become legal? Know? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Not New York. You mean federally? Well, I think New York Both. because we're here. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. Well, let's we'll start in New York and then mm-hmm. go federal. Just. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting. I mean, I don't really want to spend a lot of time talking about coronavirus because it's in my brain, but whatever. Right. But I do think that it may interfere a little bit with what was, I think, uh, already set in motion wow. that New York was really? going to. I think there's going to be a lot of attention diverted away yeah, I from totally see that. Like, yeah. all the resources, yeah. the mental resources right. are going to go to this instead of instead of to like focusing on. Oh. It's, and it really becomes in what New a York blowback. Yeah. Because right now it's really a budgetary conversation it is, in New right, York. Right, right, okay. You know, and that's what we think, but we're not professionals, which is why we're asking right. professional legal advice. On every this. time I li- I love um, New York One, I listen to it like every morning. What's the show? Pat Kiernan is the, the best. Every time, because they have the call to the speak to Mayor De Blasio, and you can ask him questions, and he's on the phone, and he's already like talking. He's already spent the money if we've legalized. Right. It. He's already like, we're going to do this. This month's going to. So I feel like when he talks about it, it seems like they're it's they're ready they're yeah. ready no they they are um you know it's funny i mean to, and from my perspective they're there for the maybe the wrong reasons probably well, but, yeah. but i also really you know the end justifies the means so exactly. if the end is legalization and to them it was because you know to create revenues or to yeah. or to you know not only just create revenues i mean you have a situation now where massachusetts has adult use and people are going across the border yeah. from new york who wants that? No New York Nobody government wants, wants that. They yeah, yeah. want they want that here. Um, so that should happen this year in New York. That is the That's expectation. What I thought. It really should. Yeah. Should have happened last year. But the problem New York is a complex right. state. First of all, in New York so Illinois is the first state to pass adult use through the legislature. Every other state has done it through a referendum. Right? The people get on the ballot, they vote for it. Oh, okay. That's not a construct that we have on the East Coast, right. right? Right. There's no referendums for people. No. It's just not. It's just a. It's almost like a different. We don't country. vote on it, and it's not. Right. Yeah. So it's got to get done to the legislature, and then the legislature has lots of um, different constituents to answer to. You know, there's obviously there's activists, and then there's conservative folks, but then there's also like you know there's um, you know minority caucuses that have an interest in seeing the damage of the war on drugs being undone. Right. And they have a loud voice in, in this, and, and they should. Right. Um, and, you know, so New York is working on, you know, the complexity of enacting a program that sort of caters to all of these needs. It's why it didn't get passed last year was, my understanding, <clears throat> it was because of the pushback for, like, the criminal justice reform, the, you know, um, giving preference to social equity people to really – Benefiting, right figuring out a way to benefit the community. Yes, the right yeah. side to the, benefit. The, the, yeah, it seems like the unraveling of it is as complex as the the weaving of it. Right, I think that's right. I mean, I think that's well. So I might use that. It's uh, good. Oh it's my good. god, nice. yeah, add, yeah, yeah. Add, yeah. It to, add it to your lexicon. <laughs> Look, I mean, so I do think so. New York feels like it happens this year, um, but even just to be clear, what that means, and I'm sure you guys have been around cannabis enough to know. So New York enacts adult use this year. It's still probably two years away. 
before right. you're before actually you're, able to yeah, yeah. it just it takes experience the because the they pass they pass it then they have to first draft regulations then regulations have to get, go out for public comment yes. then they have to now that's all done now how do you start to get people licenses and then they have to find buildings and landlords yeah, and capitalize it takes a lot it takes a lot creating to, new business models yeah. yeah and it's um the one thing about the industry which I, I think people outside the industry think that everybody in it is just making a ton of money. Um, yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's <laughs> not that way. It's some people are, I suspect, but it's a challenging. Kind it's of. a really hard. First of all, challenging landscape. Any startup is a hard thing to begin with. And then take a startup that's against the federal law, right? That mm-hmm. uh, that you have to get these licenses for. That the tax code has penalties against. It's not. Yeah. It's, it's a complicated. Yeah. It's a complicated business. Which kind of leads us to our next question, because this is one thing that we sat down and we were like, "Where is the money?" Right. <laughs> because there is money in it. I mean, the money is is really um, you have these operators who are vertically integrated. Mm-hmm. You know, they grow it, they process it, turn it into oils and edibles, and then have, in a lot of states, have the retail, the dispensaries. The, to sell are it. these the multi-state or uh, yeah, multi-state operators? operators yeah, and you don't have to be multi-state. So some of them are, but some are just vert. That what I was just referring to was like vertically integrated. Okay. So there are some that are multi-state vertically integrated. Right. That means oh, okay. they control the entire um, chain. But um, a lot of that, a lot of those companies are still struggling to make it work because not because they're not making money, but because the regulatory, legal burden, tax burden. It takes a lot, a lot of, the, of money, right? So when yeah. as as things loosen up and get better, like the companies that have been able to build their footprint now, um, will then be able to take advantage of the loosening up of some of these regulations and some of these taxes. But uh, and there's listen, there's money to be made in the ancillary services of the business. There are people, software companies, who do point of sale, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then they collect that data, yeah, right, and then they you know they do data analytics and then sell that back to the companies to say. This is you should consider this when you're marketing, et cetera. So there's a com- companies that were uh, involved when we represent that that do that, and it seems like they're, um, you know, they're on their own they're on their path. Way. Uh, yeah. There's law firms like our law firm, Forrest and Kulik. We, you know, represent multi-state operators and ancillaries, and obviously there's, um, you know, legal money to be made there. We started off um, four years ago, almost to the day. To the day. April 1st, 2016, we started our oh, firm, wow. just Dave Feuerstein and I, uh, with this idea that West Coast cannabis needed East Coast capital and professionalization. Because yes. that, that's sort of what I yeah. discovered being at Steep Hill in mm-hmm. Oakland. Mm-hmm. And uh, so now we are, we're 15 lawyers um, who oh, practice wow. cannabis wow. law. Yeah, we oh, grew. That's pretty that's, impressive. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. But without an intent to grow, right? We didn't start off saying, we're, let's... We're like, it's me and you, dude. <laughs> right. We're going to see how it goes. We're changing things. Yeah, that's seriously... Yeah, and yeah. We, we we were in a, a WeWork... That's us. We were in a WeWork office, the two of us. As you are. Yeah. yeah. Um, I love that. A, a lot smaller than this yeah. studio. Uh, and then, two love months that. later, we were joined by... It worked right away. Pretty quickly, we were like, all right, people are finding us there because high net worth individuals wanted someone who could help them understand the landscape. The reality is um, the industry needs capital. It's so capitally intensive. Yeah. Unlike any other yeah, industry. Because if you have a 100,000 square foot grow in Massachusetts and now you're going to be in Connecticut, you have to build another 100,000 square foot grow. That's 35. Because you can't cross state lines. Right, because you can't cross state lines. Like so you everything have to... has to be like, I got a tomato plant. Well, now you got to have one in 50 states. Yeah. So 52 you have to... if you, you know. Right. You have to replicate 
you know, everything that you do. So it's very capitally intensive. I know a lot of people who have been in the black market for years, and I and a lot of them, they have a hard time wrapping around, like, how do you go from being a small business and getting into cannabis? Is it just going to be like corporations who have tons of money? And I feel like there's a lot of feeling about that from that community because yeah. it's so expensive to enter into legal cannabis. I mean, do you have any thoughts on that? Or yeah, I do have quite mm. a bit. No, you're 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 spot on, yeah. and it's a real. It's another one of the the complications, yeah. the complexity of cannabis. You have these call them black market operators, mm-hmm. illicit market illicit. operators, mm-hmm. or one of my clients calls it the, tr- the traditional market, right? Ooh, I like that. Right? That sounds like Christmas. It's, well, you know what it sounds? It's like it's a little bit like less judgmental, right? right. Yeah. Black market, illicit market sounds yeah. like something. But like traditional yeah. market, it's just this market that people, I like that actually. you know, yeah. um, and um, and just while I'm, I'll just on my soapbox for a second, I hate when people juxtapose black market and they, they say, white market as if that's even a thing yeah you know i've had to correct a million people black market is actually a thing the the challenge though you point out is there are these people who were the backbone of this movement Mm -hmm. and were for decades um, for decades Mm -hmm. you know who saw this plant as something that they wanted to be part of um you know early on they had they liked to use it they their friends liked to use it they would sell medicine recreational Mm -hmm. and now they're faced with this conundrum like so the northern california growers Yep. Yeah, California was the first state to legalize for for medicine in 1996, but they're the last state to really put in come out with their regulations to say, now you need to apply, you yep. need to get a license, right. you need to pay taxes, you so, need to be and regulated, and it's these are these people. It's not in their nature necessarily to go this yeah. route, and it's complicated. And like I, we were sort of talking about earlier, it obviously makes it harder to make money. Right. So you're like doing this thing that you love. You're essentially a farmer, etc. Yep. And now you have to come into this regulated system. It's Very not. Difficult. It's not an easy transition. No. It's not. It's and not. And, mm. and since it's taking so long, everybody's had a chance to catch up. Right. There is. There is a little bit of that. I mean, it, like we sort of discovered. I mean, it's so capitally intensive. Yeah. That um, it's hard for someone like that to compete versus what we referred to before yeah. as the. The multi-state operators, right? So that's mm-hmm. why it's difficult. It's because the money at stake is so high to make the transition that they're not able to do it. Yeah, and and look, I mean, it's um, you know, I have a client I mentioned earlier, Nicole Fox from Aon Botanica. You know, yes, I read about her. She's awesome. Awesome. She's incredible. She's lady. incredible. I yeah. want to talk to her. Can we talk? Yeah, to her? she is amazing. She, she's incredible. She's incredible. And I love a boss lady. Yeah, she is a boss lady for sure. And next time she's in town, I will connect you guys. That would be awesome. For sure. She's everything that you would want in a cannabis business owner, entrepreneur. She is, um, first, she was, she went to UCLA and got a degree in uh, like dietary nutrition studies and, so great. and went w- and was helping CEOs and other people figure out how to get through their day with proper eating and energized, et cetera. I love that. Right? Yeah, so so she's health she's and wellness. She's our people. But she, yeah met and was dating a guy who was in the cannabis scene in LA when early medical and she was involved with the opening of two of the early dispensaries in LA the uh, higher path and the green goddess mm-hmm. and she went down this road for a while uh, and then she um, separated with that individual and uh, married you know I maybe common law marriage in California a guy who was a grower and they became suppliers to the medical dispensaries in LA um, they, so she's a super real OG, right? Yeah. And, um, but she was, she and her husband were arrested for oh. supplying 
you know, marijuana. She just keeps getting cooler and right. cooler. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I won't even go into the... When she comes, I'll let her tell you the story of that because there was a... Yeah. Someone broke into their house, shot her yeah. husband. It's a whole big, wow. crazy thing. But they were arrested when the cops went to investigate the scene of the crime. Uh, and no. they went to a lawyer, uh, not me because I wasn't in L.A. at the time or, or whatever, but, and I'm not sure if I would have been as prescient as this lawyer was who said... You know, we can help expunge your records, but maybe one of you should not expunge your record because there's some conversation in L.A. that they'll put in place a social equity program that will give people who have been victims of the war on drugs a ticket to the front of the line, a priority pass. Oh. And so, and this happens. Mm-hmm. This is this all this sort of came to be. So L.A. enacted um, its regulations finally in 2000, January 1st, 2018, that said. We're going to start licensing businesses. They never had really licensed businesses before. Again, this is mind-boggling. Mind-boggling. It's crazy. Um, So they um, they gave sixty days for these what they called pre-ICO dispensaries, about one hundred eighty or one hundred eighty or so that were sort of acting in a compliant way that had followed certain rules, like the I don't know, it's like the interim control ordinance. So they had to prove that you were that. You had sixty days to prove that you were that, show that you paid your taxes, and you could get. Priority licensing. After that, the window opened up for social equity candidates who were suppliers to those pre-ICO dispensaries. So Nicole and her husband applied in that round and won um, a number of licenses. Um, But then they have to go capitalize those licenses. Like it's one thing to win a license, but now you have to go rent a facility and build out a grow. And you have a specific amount of time to do it, right? Like they're like, you have 60 days to make it it happen or you lose it. You do have, it's not you six, no, I just made that number up. I'm sorry. Don't, nobody take that. (laughs) I'm just throwing out numbers like I know what I'm talking about. I have no No, idea what I'm talking about. You sound like you do it. Yeah, you really do. You really do. Uh, So that's the key to life. It's the sound like, Fake you know, until you make it right. Until you make it. <laughs> I, I can nail something. Uh, that's really funny. But you know, you do usually have a period of time. They want to see you get up and running. You know, they want to yeah. see you get up and running. And yet they don't help you all that much. You know, right. Like no, Nicole and I spent a lot of time trying to get her up and running. And that's sort of what that call I was on with her last night. We're, um, you know, to. So she has this uh, social equity licenses in L.A., uh, which is to grow, manufacture, distribute, and um, de- and delivery. Uh, and then she won on merit, having nothing to do with social equity, a license in West Hollywood for a consumption lounge um, and uh, on-site retail mm-hmm. sales, adult use and whatever. Um, I think about 300 companies applied for that license. Four won the license that she wow. got. It's wow. It's really awesome, and her location is What's awesome. What's the lounge called? I think it's, it's on called, your site. It's, right? um, Aeon, Aeon. Aeon yeah, Botanica. You know, so she's all beautiful. Ridiculous. Yeah. It's not up and running yet. The, no, no, the no, architectural the, I, renderings. You can see where it's are, headed. It's, yeah, it's no, like it's, by the name and by how she's talking about it. Right. I read the yeah. article too. Yeah. No, it's going to be. Is there a few of those though now? Because so, I hear they're having issues. Right. Well, when you say you, you hear they're having issues, meaning the people not cleaning, people getting sick. Oh, well, so that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that was so. You're, what you're referring to there is the first lounge to open up in West Hollywood was called Lowell's Cafe, and Lowell's yeah. is a company that sort of, I guess, partnered with a license winner. Lowell's had um, it was the first company that I really remember making um, a really high quality pre-roll pack. Of joints, you know, so you go off the yeah. plane LAX, you go to the dispensary, you buy yourself a nice pack. Fancy. And, and, and it was, and it was <laughs> I beautiful. Like those, actually. It was yeah. quite beautiful. I don't want to pitch for a lulls, you know, because I think <laughs> there might be better companies out there now. But, you know, they had a beautiful, sort of very like um, hardy cardboard 
um, uh, box, and then yeah. you would open it up as a tray, mm-hmm. and there would be um, pre-rolls and matches and a strike plate. Right. So you could, yeah, everything you needed you was all there. Well, it's nice there because I think you got to give credit to the people who first nail yeah. moving from like the back of somebody's VW yes. into a luxury no, item. No, 100%. They're, these guys are master markers. Yeah. And, yeah. And, uh, but so they did, so they partnered on this, this cafe, and then the, you know, a couple of things. There was, I had read that uh, maybe somebody... I don't know how to spread rumors, but someone had some communicable disease yeah. and, you know, that it was happening there. Wow. Um, I don't know that that's like an institutional issue. I do know at some point in time, it's no longer called the Lowell's Cafe. It's oh. now called the OG Cannabis Cafe. So they separated from Lowell's. Oh, okay. Lowell's ran to its own issues with the state for unlicensed growing. Again, even a company like that, the challenge of following the regulations, oh, wow. whatever. Okay. So I'm not sure exactly what the reason was they separated, mm. but that cafe is rocking it's busy so just to clarify if people don't know because some people don't but and i wasn't sure but a lounge means that you can drink and smoke openly like what exactly yeah that's a great question because there are different licenses in west hollywood the license that nicole has there are some people that have a license that just allows them to serve um edibles oh okay. and from our perspective that's not the most valuable license because i can take an edible anywhere yeah you don't need to go go to to la bernadette and take an edible (laughs) i mean what does that mean but to sit at a cafe with like-minded folks and smoke Community. openly, like if we were just, mm. like we're sitting here right now in the studio, we could be at a cafe, Yeah. right? And, um, you know, there's you can get food. There's, uh, at least at Nicole's right next door, oh, okay. she has, um, you can't combine them under one business. Okay. Again, the challenge of cannabis. Uh, so they're so, like... We had like the little door and the little door next door. <laughs> yes. You have to do things indirectly that you cannot do directly. Mm-hmm. So we rented the building next door. It has a different APN number, a different real estate parcel number. Um, and there, Nicole has partnered with uh, a guy named Fred Eric. And he's um, sort of well-known in L.A. as a chef to some celebrities. He makes a, a certain stock of broth that people are really uh, fond of. And he, Nicole loves him. He loves Nicole. They've known each other for 20 years. And he is very into the idea of having this next door to the cafe so that we so can- fun. So fun, cool. And her, her idea for this, um, the motif is a, is a Moroccan lounge. And I'll send you guys later, like wait. the deck, just so you can see that the architectural awesome. renderings. I love a deck. Would love yeah, yeah. Kristen, lo- I Do love you? a good she deck. She loves a deck. Oh, really? Yeah. I make I make lots of decks. There's many, as well. that, many. Okay, <laughs> I could send you ten a day if you're interested. But uh, Bring but, this, but this is the one that's one of my favorites because she really went the extra mile. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. why she won the license because she showed that it was she wasn't just. And not to no, I'm not putting anybody down because maybe I fit into this category. She's not just some like Wall Street finance person, whatever. She's yeah. like living, she, She's, this cafe is really like the intersection of her entire life's passion and work. You know, the health right. and wellness, cannabis, West Hollywood, you know, this location yeah, yeah. where she's, you know, it's just, it's it's gonna yeah. be exceptional. Just gotta get it open. There was a point in time like two years ago where these cannabis companies, you know, could raise a lot, could raise a lot of money. And there was a lot of euphoria about it. And, um, you know, an unfortunate, thing happened in my estimation which is um a couple of banks took a bunch of these companies public up in canada and on this move from being a private company in the u.s to a public company in canada that's a whole other story about indirect and direct you can't be a u.s company and then be on the public on the u.s exchange you have to go to canada and the canadian companies can list on the u.s exchanges because they're not violating any federal laws right because their laws allow for what they do so um yeah um (laughs) 
Wow. But these companies all got a big bump in their valuations uh, when they moved to Canada. So it was like, you know, their last round was done at, let's say, $200 million. Now they're up in Canada right away. Weeks later, they're at $2 billion. Wow. So where's that $1.8 billion? Right. So where it is ultimately, or the way that people looked at it was, it's sort of baked into their forward sales projections. Yeah. Oh, okay. Here's the crystal ball. Except they missed them all. <laughs> Of course. Of course. Because it's right. cannabis. And it was, you know, things took longer, et cetera. So then, so then the stock price started to fall in these, mm-hmm. in these companies. And because there are no institutional investors, really, there are some funds. Like, so when you introduce me, we have Focus Growth Capital Partners, right. just a fund that we're just launching. But there's no real institutions. There's no banks and there's no uh, what you would see in a normal industry. And why is that important? Because when you have a stock and the price starts to fall and you have institutions, you know, if you have... T. Rowe Price, and you have you know other big, well-known names. They're gonna if they liked it at thirty, they're a buyer at twenty-two, right? right? But when you have a bunch of retail speculator investors from Canada, and they bought it at thirty and said twenty-two, they're selling, and then it goes yeah. from twenty-two to eighteen, and they're selling, and it yeah. goes down to and it's so the valuation of these companies came down to a point that it became very hard for these companies to raise money. Unless it was oh. super diluted, so they hurt yeah. themselves by doing this. Is it like I a, think the, is it like I don't a think bubble? The, it definitely was yeah. a bubble, um, and it's funny to me. Like it was so, it's a, it was such a, an obvious bubble yeah. that um, one of our our clients, which is one of those multi state operators, we advised them not to go public. So this is holistic industries, and they stayed private. And now they're, I think, the largest private multi state operator, or certainly one of the top two or three. And as a result, right now. They're the darling of the party. Look at that yeah. good advice. You know, but, <laughs> but hang on, that's not you, the reality. Just to be clear, I could have been wrong. Yeah, right. I, right. I, I could have Josh Genderson, yeah. the CEO but of Holistic, words. calling me and saying, "Hey, buddy, look what we missed." Yeah. yeah. But it just felt like at the time, our advice to, to all of our clients is, all of that is shenanigans. Yeah. Right. Just focus on your business. Mm-hmm. Build a business that makes sense, whether it's cannabis or not. That is profitable, which is hard to do in cannabis and because yeah. of the reasons that we've already right. kind of discussed. But if you do that, you control your destiny and right. you know, and you'll have tons of options. Once you start to go down these other paths. Now, it's easier said than done because like I said, these are capitally intensive projects and sometimes you have to do what you have to do to get open. And right. so like on like a holistic side, we've been fortunate that they have a very supportive network of private high net worth individuals. So we don't have to do these other things. If right. that, that is, yeah, right. If that's that optimal. dries up, then you might have to do something that you otherwise wouldn't want to do. So, right. so I don't make it. I don't make it sound like it was uh, a stroke of brilliance. It was also a yeah. stroke of luck, you know, right. to be involved with a company that I, has. That. Yeah. And we've always. That's it's funny when Dave Forrest and I opened the the firm. We looked at each other and said, "We're in this. We're playing the long game." Yeah, over that beer. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, we're going to change it, just me and you. And the we were. Before the 15th. Right, <laughs> right, right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I guess that takes us to the next thing about CBD, right? Yeah. yeah. So we went from the the average person having no idea what CBD is to like a bajillion Every, CBD yeah. companies. Yeah. Like the flood has insane. been so insane and so fast. Within a two year years. to six months. Yeah. But I mean, I would say in the last six months yeah. is when you feel overwhelmed. Yeah. yeah. First two years is maybe when it started to tiptoe, but then... Yeah. Well, there's a reason for that, came. right? I mean, it was the... So it's interesting. Let me just... I'll backtrack a little. Yeah, I think you guys will like this very quick story, which is when I got to Steep Hill Labs, like they were testing for cannabinoids and CBD was one of those. Mm-hmm. 
No one wanted CBD. No, no I know. No, I know. No one it wanted wasn't. The geneticists at, at Steep Hill, Reggie Gaudino, um, who's one of the top geneticists in cannabis, would say, you know, it's amazing. This almost was lost. I mean, this might be a little bit of an exaggeration, a little hyperbolic, whatever, but almost lost to the world, right? Because people were saying, oh, this is garbage. It's high in CBD and has no THC. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. So you could be. 15 year old boys don't want to feel mellow. Right. There's still an attitude a little bit about that, too, now. Right. But yeah. And I have that attitude a little yeah. bit. I got okay. into this business from a THC yeah. perspective, if and you're I'm still a THC. A THC person. Right. But um, but I'm not, it's not that I'm anti CBD, but I'm, I yeah. know it has. A, it has, clearly has a medical benefit. There's. It Definitely. undeniably has a medical benefit. It's Absolutely. like the, that's already uh, proven. Been, been proven. That, that part's proven. proven. But what happened is, which really was interesting, is um, so CBD um, was descheduled by the farm, the, the, the farm bill of 2018, which they basically said, we're, we're, we're taking hemp and descheduling it. And because when they when they made the the Controlled Substance Act, like 1972, when they made marijuana illegal, they made it all illegal. Yeah, they threw the whole thing out. Everything, hemp, anything, whatever, it didn't matter. So the Farm Bill finally said, if you have hemp, you know, less than 0.3 percent THC by you know dry weight, that's legal, and anything that you derive from it is legal. Okay, and so then people were getting ready to for like Gatorade to have drinks with CBD in it. But but the same day that the Farm Bill passed, the FDA said, "Congratulations, but hold on one second. Don't forget about (laughs) us. We're over here. We have the uh, Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Safety Act, and that says that if there's a a molecule that's an active ingredient in an approved drug, you can't just put it in In food." Or sell as a dietary supplement or et cetera. So um, Epidiolex was a drug that was approved by the FDA that has CBD in it. And so as a result, they said you can't. So we wouldn't, we've been working with a lot of companies, cosmetic companies, to try and figure out what can we do with CBD. Right. And there's a lot of confusion and misinformation yeah. out there. I mean, we're running. <laughs> well, I mean, here we are. Right. And so the FDA recently came out and said it's almost impossible to put this genie back in the bottle. It's everywhere. So we have to, but they still haven't come out with their statement. Everybody's been waiting for them to come out. Now they're saying summer, maybe early fall, they'll start to come out with a statement. Meanwhile, people have built like huge you know, businesses <laughs> yeah. to supply ingredients. That's what we, we were just talking yeah. about that, me and Kirsten. Yeah, yeah, I mean, so it seems like where I get confused is well, there's no regulation. Right. So this is why the good CBD with the benefit is getting put in place with the God knows what oil or Vaseline with heavy metals and they're kind of getting like right I mean you can, can you can still stuck in the same boat, well in right? that in that ish I mean there's um you know there are people out there who are still good actors and good operators who do test their CBD in fact yeah. a lot oh, of yeah an, totally yeah right a number of the THC labs have converted to test only CBD because oh. there's so much more of it and they right. can make so much you know more money so yeah. there are people out there so we worked with one uh, a company, a, co- a cosmetic manufacturer, manufacturers for like Estee Lauder, L'Oreal, etc. So we wrote them a memo. How could they get into the CBD space? And and we took a field trip with uh, the team from the company oh, wow. to Denver. And I said to them, I, I had the driver stop the car on the way from the airport to do this three-day field trip. And I said, I want you guys to understand what we're doing. This is primary research. This isn't secondary research. This isn't been done. This is like we are going to the belly of the beast to meet the people who are doing the thing. To if you're going to get into this industry, you want to look in the eye of the person who you're buying your ingredient from, and right. how are you sourcing it? How are you so you know how what's your process? What and then we totally. met with the labs they were using, the growers they were using, the yep. processes. You go to their facility, 
is it what you expect? Is it a GMP sort of certified clean facility, or is it someplace that you would never want to? So there's, I think yeah. it's a little bit. I mean, it's hard for the consumer. Well, I guess that's a, that. That was the point that right. I was taking is that I think that there are companies that are doing that. There, and we've yeah. definitely met some people who yeah, are super passionate have. and and are going the right route. But like, if you're my mom, yeah, or if you're somebody's. Right. You know, cousin, aunt, whatever, and you're looking at taking something for your shoulder or whatever. You don't know the difference, and it's very hard. It's impossible. Because it's a whole new thing. Impossible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's really hard. It really is. Um, and I don't know if there's a good, I would have good advice to your mom in that regard, <laughs> other than other than to talk to you, to go to, but you go to, there are places, right? I mean, again, it gets, it's, it's unfortunate because now you've shifted the burden onto the consumer. Yeah, right, right? pretty much. To do that, but like, you know, here in New York City, right, there's the Al- Alchemist Kitchen or something, right? We love them. Yeah, I mean, that's a place yeah. you, that's a reputable source yeah. of education, sourcing, supply. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've been, They've Around been in the CBD a long time. Yeah, they they understood this yeah. path a long time a ago. Long time ago yeah. So there are places that you can go, but it's yeah, it's a confusing market. In New York City, you still can't combine CBD with food or beverage. Right. Yet you have recess yeah, and vibes companies. and caramels and truffles. It's like what? Yeah. No, confusing. it's confusing. Yes. It's <laughs> I'm not, I don't work for the federal government anymore, right? So I used to do that, <laughs> but I would suggest it's illegal. Right. right? I mean, really? if that, if those companies. So how are they came, selling in bodegas? How is recess in like every grocery store? Yeah. I wonder that myself from time to time. Okay, cool. Uh, you know, um, calculated risk? You know, yeah, I think it is a calculated risk. Uh, I mean, it is, we've advised some companies that can't do that. You know, they, yeah. I don't think you can do that. Um, but I'll tell you, here's, here's how you know you can't do it. Because Gatorade isn't doing it and Pepsi's not doing it. Right. Re- what is re- what is like the recess guys? I hope they're not angry at me listening to this podcast. But no, but we love uh, them. I we guess love them. I, we and, think and their and packaging love, is yeah. beautiful. Their story I love, is beautiful. I love it. Yeah. Trust me. So I'm is that the calculated risk that they're doing it? Because if they stop, then they won't even get a, a leg in because the other guys will uh, be doing it. I think the calculated risk there is, you know, what do we have to lose? Right. You right. know, they're not. Again, if you are um, like, I mean, CV. Well, it wasn't CVS. CVS was featuring products by a company called Cureleaf that had put out CBD and was making certain claims. And they got, you know, they got cease and desist. The nice thing is when you're dealing with the FDA, you're getting a cease and desist letter. You're not going to jail. Right, right. Right, right? And, and there's, you have to, you do big have difference. to. Big difference. Yeah. So you have to like, when you're doing that risk reward analysis, what's what's the risk? You know, and uh, so, okay. you know, if the risk isn't jail time, jail time yeah. which is completely different than a cease and desist or a fine or something Stop else. Stop doing that, yeah. Um, you know, but, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and it's not just New York City, by the way. Um, it's any everywhere. The, the The federal law is that you cannot put CBD so into a, in food, beverage, anything that you are ingesting. The best you can do is cosmetics, right? right? Topicals, et cetera. That's what the statement is currently by the FDA. Obviously, people are going to push that. People always say this to me all the time, and it's funny. They always use the word bodega, just like you did. They say, <laughs> but it's in every bodega. And I said, yeah, but what does that mean? bodegas don't care. Yeah, but yeah. bodega's not CVS. No, yeah. right? exactly. Is it, is it in every CVS? It's in Associated Supermarkets here, right. which is a pretty big... I've seen big, some pretty okay. big places well, for Recess yeah. specifically, right. but I think yeah. that... Recess is in Associated, and they have Wild but, Vibes, which is um, hemp. But, yeah. Right. I mean, it's... Um, and look, there's ways to position it, right? Mm-hmm. To say, instead of like really advertising, it's like CBD, it's hemp, it's full spectrum, right. they, it's all it's, these things. It's hemp, so yeah. words, that, right. semantics. It's words, yeah. it, is, it is semantics, but it's, you know, it maybe gives you just a little bit more distance from the flame, 
You know, if I had to advise a client, which we did in this instance, where we sort of created like a risk continuum, you know, we said, here's the lowest level risk is don't do it. Now, do it and do it this way. Meet these companies, go out to Denver. So with that, when the regulators do come, you can say, guys, I did everything right. Mm-hmm. You guys yeah. have to, it's it's on you, not on it's me. It's on you, yeah. Right? I mean, right. that's something that I did when I was a, a general counsel of the hedge fund coming from my SEC days is like, you learn how to interact with regulators. Right. And like, if, when the regulators come and they have the ambiguous rules and laws, if you uh, can show them that you're, look, I have this letter from these lawyers. I uh, This is the things I did. I'm trying to do everything right. Right. Uh, and you guys aren't. You def- guys aren't clear. You know, it's, yeah. by the way, that's not a get out of jail free card, but it's, no. I think it gives you righteousness. Right. Yeah. And due I diligence think, counts. You know, and, and that gives you, yeah, due diligence right. counts. And it gives you, I mean, listen, when you're dealing with regulators, you always still need to have a certain level of contrition. But right. it's also nice to have righteousness on your side. You feel like you're like you're yeah. coming from. I'm doing the best with what I've got. Yeah. Ba- basically, you guys get your shit together and yeah, tell us which laws to follow. Yeah. So right. we can. Right. Otherwise, we're gonna just do our best. Right, exactly. we're doing our best. Uh, and it, you know, I think it minimizes like their, like you're not flouting them. Right. You're not, and you're not whatever. So it gives you an opportunity to fashion whatever remedy is gonna come out of that situation. You know, but wow, Whoa. I do have one question that is like a, a you know. Not not on our list. Uh-oh. Where, where would you like to see it go? Like what, yeah. from a professional standpoint, who cares about the industry, right? Yeah. You're not just in it for X, Y, or Z. Otherwise, you probably wouldn't have joined it yet. You know, right. wh- where would you like to see it go? Best C- case C- scenario. C- CBD, the whole no, no, industry? No, can- cannabis as a whole. Right, cannabis as a whole. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, I, I like where it's headed right now. I mean, it's it's to me, it's mm-hmm. clear okay. where it's headed. Yeah. Um, okay, it's, it's not to me, maybe. That okay, it's clear so that this where is... where is it headed? Where it's headed is it's going to be legal in all 50 states. That said, let's be clear. I'm a, I am an advocate, but I also am a big believer that the craze is way outpaced the science. You know, you want a lot of research in drugs where the side effects are severe. You know, if it causes suicidal thoughts or it causes other things where... Mm. saying cannabis is... His his and this is a serious doctor, you know. Yeah. I think from UCLA, whatever. He said cannabis really isn't a medicine; it's an herbal remedy. It helps people, but it wow, doesn't. But I like but, that. but the negative side effects are such that it doesn't need double blind it studies. Yeah. It doesn't need That's this level true. of thing. Yeah. That yeah. said, you still like to study it to say this has this combination of things has this effect. Right. right. And this combination Th- yeah, has this important. effect so people would have a better, would feel that it's a little bit more. Well, also I, so many people are on pharmaceuticals and other things and then it's important to know what combining that stuff in because you don't. Right. Yeah. Sure, I think course. the average person just know, doesn't have any idea no. what or how to take it period anyway like it's just self figuring it out like Mm -hmm. smidge this way woo too far smidge that way not enough like there isn't it's to me I heard this you know I'm totally stealing this from somebody else I don't know who I'm stealing it from but it's like going into a bar and being like alcohol yeah I whatever (laughs) alcohol you have like I don't know if I'm having a martini a pickleback Uh, or a spritzer yeah I have no idea what it's going to be. I don't know how I'm going to yeah. feel about it. I don't know what I should do afterwards. Yeah. I don't know if I need to go home as fast as I can because I'm going to be weird. Now, that is, that is changing, right? Because there are companies out there, you know, uh, there's a company that was founded actually here in New York City, but it was based out in California called Dosist. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Right. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a company you guys could talk to at some yeah. point. We time. should. They're yeah, really interesting. They're really interesting. They've yeah. come at it very scientifically. Like they're, right. they're sort of, they're science first product second their product is beautiful i think yeah, and, their product uh, is really nice. and their idea is 
this is, they have their formulations and they, they sort of label the effect and, and this is what a dose is. On that note, um, we did want to ask, ask you if there is a favorite product. I mean, you were mention, mentioning, mentioning, sorry, Dosist, but is there a product that you like personally that you use and what is that? Yeah, or? that's a great question. You know, it's funny, um, I was in California recently. When I go when I go to California first, I probably shouldn't. I won't say this overlap. But anyway, I I <laughs> go to a lot of dispensaries to see what's going on, right? Of I mean, let's and talk market talk research. Up. You know, so I go and experiment. And I was looking at my basket recently and I was like, wow, this is completely different than my basket a year ago. So my mm-hmm. basket now is <laughs> a lot of it is actually a lot of C B D, C B N, other minor cannabinoids. And I looked at it and like it's not it's not a, I mean, not to say I'm not against high THC. It has yeah. its time and place. I enjoy it. It's this was more, um, but it was like teas. Yeah, you know, so there's a, it was more a part of your life as opposed to just getting yeah. high. Right. So there's a brand called, and I have no reason to promote this brand. I don't do any work for them, but I would. I wish I did because yeah. uh, I think it's a beautiful product called Kikoko, K I K O K O Kikoko. The I packaging the is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Their sachets are smell amazing, etc. And oh, they wow. they've put they have one out that's called. Um, like serenity tea, oh, right, right? Oh, and yeah. vitality <laughs> oh. and whatever, and um, this sensuality is another oh, right. one. But okay. um, the, Got it. clever, but yeah, I think so. And the um, the one that is serenity, um, you know, like if I get home at I get I work late, you know, this is a hardworking industry. We work late, long hours. When I get home, um, you know, I'm trying to figure out oh, what's my what's my way to you know, single to myself, this day is over and it's time to shut it down. And, you know, for a while, you know, I would smoke. And then, like, yeah. then who knows what happens. And then I pick up a guitar and start playing. Mm-hmm. I start swinging a golf club. I start doing yeah. a million different things. Maybe. That could happen for sure. Um, I like this tea. They have a honey that has CBN in it, which oh, is a, nice. a minor cannabinoid, which that's a big part of what you're, I think you're going to see over the next couple of years, the, the minor the, cannabinoids. The minor, yeah. And what those effects are. Um, just like CBD, was never a minor cannabinoid, but it was a non-desirable one. Yeah. You know, years ago, and now it's this thing. All of a sudden, you're going to see CBG and CBN and the oh. other 123 that no one even knows what they are, what they do. Wow, so right? curious. Right, yeah. what, are the, what do they all do? Um, but this one, so I mix this honey with this tea. And first of all, you know, I heard you guys in the last podcast saying, like, some things are just like, it might be... Um, might just be your perception. It might not be the real thing. I'm fine with a placebo. Right, totally Kristen fine with it. Kristen loves a placebo. I'm yeah. totally fine with it. Of course, of course. I buy packaging sometimes just because I'm like, it makes me feel better about myself. I'm okay with it, yeah. <laughs> but I make, if, but you make a tea and you sit down and you have tea. It's just a ritual. ritual. It's that, like, yeah. That, that the tea, tea ceremony. The tea yeah. ceremony could yeah. be by itself. Yeah. Like, right? So now the fact that it has CBN is... I mean, I did sit on the couch, and you can feel the the, the body sedation, you know, settle mm-hmm. in. But also, it's like it's a ritual. It's nice. Yeah. It's a nice way. That's to That's how I feel. It's day. ritualistic I, for me. It's I a love a down. ritual. We also got a couple songs from Mitch. Um, we do a playlist with the episode, and I, we just like it when people kind of tell us a little bit about the songs they picked and like why. I mean, we can start out with your first pick. It's Bob Marley. Yeah, of course, you know. Yeah, I so. mean, obviously. I mean, Bob Mar- who doesn't love Bob yeah. Marley, right? I mean, no one I think doesn't. Song of the Millennium was One Love. Like, that's a song of a thousand yeah. years. It's like, yeah. it's so yeah. exceptional. And that song to me is when I'm staying at late at work. I yeah, put, that's, that's the first a, song I put on. Is that your playlist in general? Is that the vibe? Yeah. Late night yeah. work? So what is the website just that is a good place oh. for people to go for? Well, there's two, right? There's mm-hmm. Focus Growth Capital Partners. Okay. That's the, the fund. Mm-hmm. And then there's the, the law firm. Um, Are you, you know, on Instagram? D- 
Oh man, Instagram. No. Okay. I mean, Good for I follow, you. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I'm, I'm. This is probably bad for my business. We just started this year to okay. do like a little bit more. Like I do a little bit on LinkedIn. I've mm-hmm. never, I've never. I promise you, this is a true statement. I've never seen Facebook. Oh wow. Good for you. Good for you. Yeah. I we don't, applaud that. I would be. I'm too. I'm already work. <laughs> I already work. So I, if I had yeah. that, I watch people on the train. Go paging through, but it's like it never ends. It doesn't. Yeah, so it doesn't. I'm like I, yeah. but uh, but you, it, you don't need to do everything. But, but we're gonna put all your info with the episode too, and we're gonna have links so people yeah. can right. reach out to you. It's and, great, and keep this like good. And thank you. Foundation. Oh my god, thank this you. was yeah, really fun. This is so such much. a fun conversation. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad that uh, I didn't cancel because. So uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we are too. Join us on this journey. Let's explore, experiment, and learn together how cannabis with some good old self-care and mindfulness can help us feel good. So let's highlight life in a really positive way that just makes us all better humans. Check out our website, highlightlife.com. Follow us on our Instagram at highlightlife and click subscribe on our podcast to take this wild ride with us. Big thanks to Gary's Electric Studio in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, and to Rayton on Thrill Jockey Records for the music. 